Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Also known as Jim, alongside Hollywood Harry, also known as Heath Pierce, and Billy Big Time, also known as Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies. Before we look ahead to a big week with the recovering of uh, the U.S. Men's National Team for the Nations League, recovering doesn't really seem like the right word there. And as a heads up, we're doing a special preview podcast on Wednesday for our first game against Granada on Friday, and then of course we will immediately go live uh, after all that happens. So make sure you hit the appropriate buttons on the YouTubes, like subscribe and all that good stuff. Turn on your notifications, your podcast platform of choice. Make sure you download, you follow and hit, leave a five-star review. Tell a friend about us. We would love that. And we want as many in soccer. We trusters as possible out there roaming the streets. But first a question I'm actually curious about before we get into the show and Chuck, I'm coming to you first. Did you ever dive looking for a call? i'm pretty sure you did but i just wanted to hear you confirm it uh yes of course there's no there's no questions asked you had to do it right i mean that was part of it yeah you know to be honest it's you're trying to gain an advantage right i i think um even before my accident it wasn't so much i'd say on the top of mind i if I was close enough to goal, I figured I could get to goal without having to dive. Um, it was after my accident, I, I felt like I needed to do it to gain an advantage because mm-hmm. I didn't have all the tools that I used to have. So if I could impact the game by doing that, that was one of the ways uh, I felt I could add value to the team, right? And, you know, part of you is is you're happy. I mean, the, the worst one uh, was against Salt Lake um on the road we're down a goal one one zero chris winger slides i wasn't even trying to die but i dove over him to avoid the challenge the ref points to the spot and <laughs> winger looks at me uh nikki nikki romano looks at me like all right you got to tell the guy you know that i didn't even touch you and i'm like 
I'm sorry, but I'm taking this pen. Oh, <laughs> man. I, I thought that. Charlie was going to do that NCAA thing. Oh, you know, no. I touched the ball last. I, hit, I touched the ball last, coach. <laughs> it went off of me. You know, and then at that point I said, hey, the ball never lies to Nikki. No, but um, – So you scored it, though. I did score it. Okay, okay. So, so but, uh, you, don't, yeah. you, don't mind, you don't mind diving in the sport. You don't mind – I think it's part no, of the no. sport a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I think – there's, there's manipulating the referee with a dive. There's embellishment. And I think there's, there's like that gray area where it's not so much cheating. It's just you need to be smarter in that situation. You know, Jimmy, as a defender, how many times, because I've been on the opposite of this, where a forward's pressing you, pressing you, pressing you, he maybe makes a little contact, you go down. Heath, you do it all the time on the, on the left side. Um, and you get the call because what ref is going to say – no, I'm allow you to go down. Oh, and we're honest, you know. Defenders chance, are honest. Right? We're on. We're, we're, we're good. Honest. We're good guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a different type uh, yeah. of person you're talking about. So uh, I, I, it, it yeah. goes both ways for me. You can't no, say it does, it does, oh, it does. I, attackers dive in the attacking after in the box, but defenders don't do it on the same side. The flop. Oh, I made some contact. I'm gonna waste some time now. Heath, yeah. Heath, I, where are you on this? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, I think especially when you're when you're a striker. And, and it's actually one of the things that I wish I had more in my, in my kind of uh, on my tool belt in my, in my game it was a little more gamesmanship, right? I thought I, w- I wish I was a little meaner. I thought I wish I was a little bit more willing to kick and not hurt people, but be a little bit more uh, gamesmanship throughout a game, right? Hacking people. Because I know that when people were just stepping on my heels and my ankles and my foot all game long, like you eventually want to draw that foul, right? You eventually want to level that because people are off the ball, away from the ball trying to foul you or get that edge on you for 90 minutes, right? So if you're in the box, your mind is going, how do I get the edge back? And I'm not saying you go and when no one's around you, you get that sniper shot in the leg and and fall trying to draw a penalty to get the win. But when you are trying to draw contact and things like that, or, or, or what I think is leaning into a dive, then yeah, I think that's, 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 that's part of the game. It's actually something I wish that I, I had, I had, again, I, I wish that I had, I had more of, and ever since when I, when I, when I broke my leg when I was 17, I kind of lost that edge. I kind of like everything felt a little bit, you know, contact wise, a little bit different. I was a little more hesitant at times, whereas I wish that I had a little bit more of that mean streak. You see some guys and we've had one on every one of our teams of just that mentality of like, nah, like, I don't care. Like in training, I'm going to break right through J- your calf, you know, like J- literally. Jay J- Demerit, Jay Demerit. Yeah. That's who, that J- comes Demerit. to mind. Jay Demerit. Yeah. Or like an attacker, like my first training at at uh, FC, FC Dallas when I came into MLS, like Atiba Atiba Harris put like I still have it like on my bicep, like a seven inch scar. Uh, you know, he elbowed me in the nose on like the second day, where it's just like that physicality of like it's me versus you, and it's not personal. He's not trying to hurt me, but he's also not going to give me anything. And I wish I had a little bit more of that. Yeah, I just jump in and say really quick that when I got to play with Jeff Agus, my second year, third year in the league. Oh he was God. amazing at, you know, when your defender's shielding a ball out of bounds, that once that def- that attacker that's pressuring and puts a little hand on him, he falls down and he falls on the ball. And when you mm-hmm. fall on the ball, you force the referee to make a decision. <laughs> and, and, and he always got the call. Now, I don't know if they were intimidated by the size of his calves because they're like five times the size of a normal human calf. But, but that was something I learned from, to get to your point, Heath, about kind of the dark arts of how to manage a game. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I really appreciated that. And also, do you think there do you think there's anything wrong with it, Jimmy? I don't. Do you, I don't. Do your, yeah, I, I yeah. don't think there's anything wrong with it. When I as I got older and started to kind of get out of my feelings and under kind of see the game a, a, a little bit bigger from a ten thousand foot view, let's say, 
anytime that somebody dove and got the call against me, I was always, as I got older, realized that it was more about my positioning, that that I wasn't moving my feet well enough. I wasn't defending very well. And I allowed that attacker like you, Chuck, to gain that little bit of advantage to then ultimately influence the referee in a positive way for their particular team. And mm -hmm. so so it, I just started to decide and started to own that I needed to get better at moving my feet and not diving in recklessly. And, and ultimately that that saved me from I led the league in yellow cards one season. Just want to throw that out there. All right, let's get into our recap. Before we do, we want to remind everybody that we are a finalist. This podcast in soccer, we trust in the soccer category for the sports podcast awards. We need your help. Please take a minute out of your day to vote. The link is in the description. We need a trophy in our cabinets. So please make that happen. Also, also, we got a whole bunch of guys to talk about. Uh, Pulisic not only did a crazy interview with Graham Hunter from ESPN. We'll get into some of his, uh, his quotes and thoughts on Burhalter in particular a little later in the show. But he started for Chelsea this week. Uh, had a great goal, but got scratched off by VAR. Chelsea's 2-2 draw against Everton. Uh, Timo Weah out of the roster. Georgi Mihailovic comes in. Unfortunately, Timo Weah, who started it right back for Lille against Toulouse, uh, suffered a pretty bad concussion. He looked okay after the game, but obviously uh, concussion protocol, you got to be smart about that. Uh, McKinney. Weston McKinney and Brendan Aronson. There we get a good look at uh, that update there from the U.S. Men's National Team if you're watching on the YouTubes. Uh, Weston McKinney, Brendan Aronson start in a rare Leeds win, 4-2 over Wolves. They won at Wolves at the Molyneux last season as well. That puts them in 14th or out of the relegation zone. Fulham and Man United, FA Cup quarterfinal. United won 3-1, Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson in that one. Giorena got some garbage time in Borussia Dortmund, 6-1 win over Köln. Uh, But I really kind of just really quickly, we got other players to get into. But players not in the roster. They said who were hurt. That's why they didn't get called in here. Josh Sargent mm. played 77 minutes midweek and 90 minutes this weekend. That doesn't oh, sound weird. like he's hurt to me. Malik Tillman came off the bench and scored against Motherwell. So, okay, maybe he's coming off the bench, getting back into yep. form. I can see that one. All right. We got uh, we Chris got Richards on the bench again. Yeah, you Seems bizarre for an injured guy. Yeah, that's really – you don't put him in the 18 if he's hurt. Cameron, uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers – He's hurt, apparently, starting to score. No, but Cam Cameron Carter-Vickers is hurt. I spoke to him. And so he he's said – He's hurt with this, what? I guess he's he's hurt. He, this he, he this manage the Scottish Premiership and not Granada? Come on, dude. So no, he needed a break. And like this, more of like he needs a break. He needs a break. It, needs it's, I, got it. I got it. I got it's, it. It's management. So he, he's, he, he's available. It's just he has to manage an injury. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. And then uh, Fuller and Balogun who I guess has unfollowed England and didn't get called into the English squad. Uh, he just scored his 17th goal for in Liga this season. He became the youngest player to score at least 17 in their first ever Liga season since 1956. Now, Rantz lost for the first time since their uh, young manager took over 2-1 to Marseille, but he scored that first goal, and he is on absolute fire. He put out a kind of a cryptic post on his Instagram story saying he wants to what would play for somewhere he's wanted. Uh, I, I want him. I don't know where he got following this, but I would love this guy to, to come into the team. So, so also, also we might need to talk about Matt Turner as well. Chuck just bounced off here, Keith, but we got to talk mm -hmm. about Matt Turner. Didn't play great. I think in that first leg against sporting club de Portugal, but I thought that Mikel Arteta would stick with him in the second leg at home. They ultimately <laughs> lost the Arsenal in penalties, but I don't know. Matt Turner's an interesting yeah. one, and I know Chuck's best friends with Matt Turner, so I'm very curious to see uh, <laughs> his thoughts on, on that. Welcome back, Chuck. Thank you. 
I took, thought, a, yeah. I, took a, I took a flop off the Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. <laughs> <I clearly did. laughs> Charlie backed so. into the Wi-Fi uh, router. <laughs> trying Charlie to draw a foul, foul, trying yeah, to draw, yeah. draw a foul against the Wi-Fi router today. Uh, yeah. And now, I mean, for for me on 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 Matt Turner, I mean, interestingly, I think it obviously we saw the 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 long wonderful chip over over Ramsdale um, that that uh, we all believe wouldn't have happened to Matt Turner because he wouldn't do that because he's not out there <laughs> sweeping with his feet. I know his feet got better, but he's not out living in no man's land. He knows that, but uh, yeah, that 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 sucks, and that's that's one of the risks that you take. But I still see him as as the one for for the U.S. team at the moment and yeah I'm looking forward to seeing kind of where he's at because it feels like a funny gap right post World Cup till now it's kind of a long window of time uh to see these players come in now before you you comment on Matt Turner being our number one and I want to get your thoughts on this Chuck Ethan Horvath had a shutout this midweek which is his league leading in the English championship 16th which is pretty impressive Zach Seffen also got a clean sheet I uh, got three saves in his ninth clean sheet of the season in a 4-0 win against Preston North End. Mm-hmm. And Zach Steffen's coming back into the team for the first time uh, since since we helped since he helped the team qualify last March. So it's almost been a year, I think, since Zach Steffen's been back on the team. Does that sound right? I think it's right, which is crazy. But yeah, uh, yeah, what are your injuries, thoughts? And then he right. came back and then he right. was out. Matt Turner, yeah. what, what are your thoughts? Matt Turner, Charlie Davis. Well, well first, I think Matt Turner, he's – you know, I watched that game in the Europa League where he gave up those two goals. And the, the first one, just not decisive enough in that moment on the corner kick to come out, got caught in no man's land, and then giving up a rebound. Um, I know it was difficult. Got to get down quick. But coughing it up uh, for for, yeah, right. for Sporting to tap in. So he's the number one, in my opinion, coming off at World Cup. He should still be given that chance. Now, if his form dips with the U.S. national team, that opens it up for Zach Steffen, for Ethan Horvath. And I, I hear your point about Ethan Horvath with all of the clean sheets, but you also look at the style that Luton Town plays with. I mean, you look at their goal differential, their goals for, they're a team that sits back. They've only scored 46 goals. When you look at Middlesbrough, they scored 69. So uh, uh, Burnley scored 74. They're not a team that is just attacking and leaving space open. They're very... Right you know, conventional in terms of, hey, we're just going to defend first and look to counter set pieces, the traditional, hey, we don't have a lot of creative playmakers and, and guys who can hurt you. So we're going to make the most of, of being a defensive style team. I think that plays an advantage for, for an Ethan Horvath. Um, so for me, Matt Turner's still your one, Zach Steffen's your two, and Horvath is your three. But given you, you, you give that opportunity to eat, um, to Matt Turner to lose, to lose it. Yeah, I think yeah, he's I agree. One, I agree. Unless he loses it. Yeah. I just wanted to state some facts. I just wanted to put it out there that, that uh, Horvath's been playing well. So Stefan's been playing well. Matt Turner hasn't, but I think he's the number one until proven otherwise. All right, let's whip through the defenders. Heath, I'm going to come to you. I'm just going to say, I'm just looking, focusing on the, the guys that are in the 24-man roster mm-hmm. for this upcoming game on Friday against Granada. Serginho Dest. Not in the 18 for either game for AC Milan. Uh, no Mark McKenzie, 90 minutes in a 1-1 draw against Cercle Bruges. Uh, mm-hmm. What's interesting about Gank, who currently sit on top of the table in Belgium, they've only won one out of their last six. They're currently on top by three points. They're trying to hand that away. Tim Ream, Anthony Robinson, both 90 minutes in a 3-1 loss uh, at Old Trafford in the FA Cup quarterfinals. They've only won one out of their last five. They're down to ninth in the Premier League, and obviously they're out of the FA Cup. Ryan Reynolds, 90 minutes and got an assist. In Vesterloo, uh, Vesterloo, currently in sixth in Belgium, won four out of their last five. They're only three points away 
from the top four and their championship playoff. Championship playoff is crazy in Belgium, by the way. Maybe we save that for my final thought. Miles Robinson, 90 minutes. He's back, baby. Atlanta United looking awesome this season. Their 5-1 win versus uh, Portland. Tiago Almada, four goals and four assists in four games. He is driving things. Now, Miles Robinson, his 100th match for ATL. This is his first time back with the national team since tearing his Achilles uh, last last May for a game with the Atlanta United. So curious to see what happens with him, if he gets any minutes in these two games. Also, he's out of contract at the end of the season. So curious to see what his future looks like. Joe Scally, 90 minutes in a 2-2 draw versus Werder Bremen. Austin Trusty on the both sides of the coin, 90 minutes in a 1-0 win at QPR, 90 minutes in a 3-0 loss midweek at Watford. So those are the defenders. Heath, anything stand out for you? Because the Serginho Dest one for me is very interesting. Because he's kind of got some Matt Turner vibes where he's not playing a lot. And he's not even in the 18, but he's kind of our number one choice. Yeah. I mean, for, uh, just to speak quickly on him, it, it's just more more so for me. You bring him in to see his sharpness. If he's not at that national team level, then you got to wait till he sol- solves his problem. But you sort of got to allow him to play himself out. We've we've all been in the situations where you're not playing a lot. And it just comes in. You come in to show, like, what do you have, right? Are you that far off the mark that it's your head and your body and everything that's just got you kind of out there that you got to go get it solved or do you are you still keeping that sharpness even though you're con- consistently facing that adversity of not being in the 18 not being in the match day roster you know probably not feeling very good in training it's really hard to keep your confidence that high so i think it's an opportunity for him to say uh to stay in but for me it's 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 um yeah reynolds i think it's super exciting to see him come in um playing consistently and then and then as you mentioned robinson 100 games back into the national team where where is his level at right we saw that with aaron long after injury like is he the same player is he not i don't think he ever became that same level that we saw again can he do that he's obviously still got more years ahead of him and more upside as in terms of his age but yeah he's one that i'm really looking forward to seeing kind of where where is he at in terms of his comeback to the international level because he was a key guy before yeah, we got a ton of depth, too. People are bringing up uh, Joe Scally as well, and, and him starting to get more regular minutes uh, after competing for it. Seems to have been in the 90 or getting 90s quite regularly. All right, whipping through the midfield, Chuck. Uh, De La Torre, 69 minutes, 3-1 win at Espanol, playing well. Johnny Cardoso, 90 minutes for Internacional in uh, the Serie A Gaucho in uh, this one. And then uh, you got Yunus Musa, 63 minutes. And it's 3-0 loss at Atleti. Alan Senora came on as a substitute for Juarez. Taylor Booth, I think, is the one we're most excited about. 29 minutes. He's back from being hurt, rolling back into the team. He was a substitute in a 2-1 loss for Utrecht. And, uh, yeah, we got Will. We got Daryl DK. We got Pepe. You know what? We're going to take our first break. Why don't we do that? And then we're going to hear from <laughs> Chuck Charlie Davies about all the attackers right after this. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. And it all takes place while you're filling out financial reports at work, in the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen, call in sick, do whatever you got to do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. 
All right, welcome back to In Soccer. We trust, and uh, just to remind everybody, the NWSL is back. I went to an Angel City game last week. They played Club America. They won 3-0. They were sick. And uh, the NWSL back is also back on Paramount+. Plus. It's your home for another thrilling season of elite women's soccer. This league is packed with world-class talent featuring the biggest stars from around the globe, including the U.S. women's national teams, and they compete for the glory of an NWSL club title we got iconic legends, Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino, still on top of their game while show-stopping breakouts. Mallory Swanson, Rose Lavelle, and defending MVP Sophia Smith usher in the next great generation. Catch them all in action as the NWSL season kicks off on March 25th, streaming live on Paramount+. Plus. You can sign up at ParamountPlus.com slash live sports and use promo code NWSL2023 for a free one-month trial today. Go make that happen. All right, Chuck. Let's talk about the attackers, midfielders, all happening right now. Obviously, Tyler Adams is out, so very curious to see who slots in there. Weston McKinney and Mark Roca played the kind of double eight for Leeds, so you could put Weston there. Obviously, Eunice off his shoulder. The big question is who fills in that third spot. You go with the Cordoso, you go with the De La Torre, uh, Senora, Taylor Booth, or Gio Reyna, as we discussed. So so I'm very curious um, how you think about that. Daryl DK, though, I really want to get your thoughts on this. Seven goals in 19 league matches in the championship this season, but he's got four in his last five, and his hold-up play is looking better. He's looking confident, looking healthy. Excited to see mm-hmm. how he's going to play. Ricardo Pepe played 90, 2-0 loss. Christian Pulisic, as I mentioned, 62 minutes in that draw. Gio Reyna came off the bench. Jordi Mihalovic, 12 minutes as a substitute. Uh, didn't play midweek against Lazio in the Europa League. And then Zendejas, bit surprised he didn't start in the Super Clasico against Chivas Guadalajara for Club America, but he came on as a sub with 27 minutes left in at Club America's big 4-2 win at Chivas Guadalajara. That's a big one to beat your biggest rivals away from home. So I don't know who you want to discuss there, Chuck, but uh, yeah, a couple, couple um, guys looking fresh, a couple guys coming off injury. But who do you start? Do you just go with the regulars like we discussed with Turner and Dest, or do you go with somebody else? I think it's a case-by-case basis, but I think in the midfield, without Tyler Adams, now if if – you don't have Tyler Adams. There's not a better opportunity to go with something different. And so I think Weston McKinney, you drop him deeper. You can play him alongside Eunice Musa. I think uh, De La Torre is also uh, a player that could be inserted next to a Weston McKinney. But I want to see a number 10, an attacking midfielder who plays under the striker. This could be a great opportunity to bring Christian Pulisic back into a central role. Hmm. I, think, I think he could be ready for that. Um, it could also be a Gio Reyna in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to see either Gio Reyna or Christian Pulisic playing as that 10. Uh, and then you could, you could have, you know, without Timo Weah now on, on a wing, you can get creative on, 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 in the wing positions. And Dejas could be an option. Uh, Taylor Booth could be an option. Um, it, it's, I think it now is, it is a perfect opportunity for Hudson to, to say, Hey, Let's see some 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 other looks. Um, it, it just makes sense to have uh, more creativity, more people who want to get on the ball because of the opponents as well. Um, you're going to have more possession, so you want players who are comfortable in tight spaces, players who are comfortable breaking down low blocks, uh, players who are good uh, in transition, a little bit more aggressive. This is the moment, and I like the fact that you you have a lot of options to get creative playmakers on the field. And then in terms of your nine, uh, Daryl DK, uh, Ricardo Pepe, I think if, if you had to choose one, probably Ricardo Pepe to give him the start and see what that looks like. Daryl DK is in form. There's no doubt about that. 
He's got to improve his first touch. It has to improve playing in tight spaces. Um, this is a great opportunity to see what he he can bring to the fold at, at this international level. Obviously, you're not playing Mexico. You're not playing Canada. You're not playing Holland, the Netherlands, Argentina, Brazil. But this is a great step for him to see what that speed of play looks like right. with hey, this group. Jimmy, can I say something real quick? You can. Charlie came back from Europe and he he claps a lot more now when he talks. Like, <laughs> I noticed that like when he when he's making when he's landing points, he's he's clapping. I don't know who he got that from out there, but somebody's somebody taught him that this this like deliver <laughs> with a clap type of thing. You know, he's he was amongst legends and it's just like constantly learning from him, you know, where land that point with a, with a, with a, with a, with a clap. But I I agree with Charlie's points. I, I want to see again the low block thing that we struggled on. We struggled with to break down and create legitimate chances. I would love to see just more players connected to it. Doesn't matter if it's DK or Pepe. If we can't have those guys integrated into our buildup of being able to get the ball and lay it off. And I'm just just watching some of these games in Europe, watching some of the first weeks of, of Major League Soccer, just seeing the quality of like a Klaus that plays for St. Louis, just lays it up to him. He lays the ball back. You you look at um what's the name that came from NYCFC to Seattle, just simple. Ball into the striker, lays it off, and spins out. Like, that simplicity, we've never had, I mean, never, I mean, in this last cycle, a striker that has that sort of connectivity to our attack and it gets back up top. And I wish and I hope that we can start to have a, a striker that's not just feeling stranded more often than not. Because if you go back through all of our games over the last year and a half, I just don't remember a lot of opportunities that that striker's getting a decent amount of touches on the ball in, in positions uh, advanced up the field or in positions where they're affecting. And I go back to Ricardo Pepe against Honduras where when he was getting touched on the ball, spinning out and creating those counterattacking or those those attacks in the second half, that's that's the best that I remember him. I just want to add this, and then I know Charlie Davies has to go. He's got a private plane to catch one of his many <laughs> doesn't make any planes. doesn't make any sense, but like you know, <laughs> you can fly yeah, whatever you got, want, Charlie. Fly whatever you want, and and of course you probably have super Wi-Fi on that plane as well. But but what I find interesting is that with Timo Weah out, it just makes sense potentially to put Gio Reyna to start at least on that right side. Whether you think we should start him or not, that's up for discussion, of course. But if we have him on the right side and Christian Pulisic on the left, to your point, Heath, I don't know if we're going to get a lot of service to our striker. So Daryl DK might not be the guy in that situation because I, I think he feeds off a lot of service. And so well, Jimmy, and I, well, I just don't think could, that Reyna and Pulisic, could, because... they're not getting to the end line of whipping crosses in, whereas I think Timo well, Weah well, would, right? Well, well, I think you've got to look at the opponent. The opponent is not going to be one that, that is, is pushing and, and high up the field. So if they're dropping deep, naturally Christian and Gio are going to come inside. So the striker will get service, but it'll be service within a crowded box of, yeah. of five, four you know, players. He's going to be marked by two. So the service is going to have to come from the outside backs. Not ideal because you want a variety of different types of service, not predictable service. And I think that's where... Gerald DK could struggle when it's the same that that same repetition of outside backs just giving you cross after cross after cross versus a cross a through ball a, a one two you know that type of variety which probably won't happen against a team when they're just sitting back. All right, so Chuck, final thoughts from you, and and uh, can you just let everybody know that you'll be here for us on 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday for our preview against Granada. Are you going to, can you commit to that or what's your story? Yeah, I, I can commit to, to, to the shows <laughs> full forward. But any other um, final thoughts before you let everybody go? 
Final thought is I'm looking forward to the game, our, our podcast after the game, to break down what we saw, um, things that we liked, uh, how Hudson is managing this team. You know, is this something that we're saying, okay, we can get some more time? Or are we saying, let's name a, let's name a coach now. <laughs> Find a coach now. All right, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies, everybody. Let's give him a big round of applause. He loves the claps, making personal claps. Great to see you as always, Chuck. Yeah, Charlie Enjoy the Clapper your, uh... Davies, huh? Not the flopper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no more flopper. Yeah, claps a Mr. lot. Jeez. Okay, so let, let's move away from the team because we'll have plenty of time to get into what we want the starting lineup to be in our preview show. But Christian Pulisic had this uh, pretty incredible, I'm ready to get things off my chest, sit down interview with Graham Hunter from ESPN. And I think we should talk about incredible some highlights. Beard, of it. by the way. I mean, that's he the is, first his, his beard like, game is, is, is solid. Almost Heath Pierce-esque. I don't, I, I, Jimmy, I've said this a million times. I spent my entire professional career thinking I grew a nice beard and people would be like sick goatee, which means I didn't have <laughs> a beard. I had what people saw as a goatee because I couldn't grow it's a true, beard. I've true. got a yeah, neck beard right now, but like uh, his thing was like lined up at a few different levels. And I was like, man, this guy is like, you know, incredible, incredible looking beard. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. Well, some of the things that he said, and maybe the main takeaway was that He's cool with having Greg Berhalter come back. He's reason reasonably content is the quote. He also quoted uh, the strides we have taken in recent years with him appointed, I think has been evident. I think it's quite clear. Uh, he also went on to say, I think Berhalter did a good job of showing the team and helping everyone to understand, look, this is how we're going to play in a short period of time as, as it pertains to the world cup and, and uh, just pretty pro Berhalter. And obviously mm -hmm. the big headline was, Pulisic says that the actions happening right now around the U.S. men's national team are childish, very youth soccer-esque. I'm paraphrasing mm -hmm. now, but uh, I was pretty surprised that he that he was this candid. I think this is the most candid I've ever seen Christian in in one sitting, where he got asked yeah. some tough questions and and he answered them pretty honestly. Well, from from what I understood, he was one of the guys who, and again, this is purely speculating, which I probably shouldn't do, but I'm going to anyway. Um, no, that's was one what, of the that's guys. We love that, it. You have all the inside. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, he was one of the guys that was not, didn't find uh, Gio's first apology to be acceptable. And and his approach of just being like, sorry for my thing. It was kind of like, we want more, like tell us more, like open up more. And I, and I don't think that in like a way of like, that's not good enough, but more of like a, Hey, you need to really buy into this as, as, as one of the leaders of the team, he was showing that. And so I think he feels comfortable uh, obviously this is a guy who's still young, but has been through so more than any player we've ever had in our, in our, in our history, um, in terms of his challenges uh, abroad and the level that he's playing at the club that he's playing at the things that he's, he's accomplished. And so I think there's a comfort in him being able to speak up, but look, I, I think that the question still remains if, if not Greg, uh, if not GGG, then, then, then who is it, right? How do you get better? How do you come in with a coach and a sporting director and a GM and not start from scratch. How do you do that? That's a lot. Um, it's a lot at a club team level, let alone a national team level where you have far less time to implement strategies and tactics and ways in which you want to play. And I'm not saying you can't do that. The question is, how do you do that? How do you come in and have somebody has to take something from what Greg did like him or hate him. Somebody has to at least continue that. I think it would be foolish to try to start over, especially given that we're three years out or what is it? Yeah, we're uh, how many years out from the next World Cup? Three, three. Yeah, yeah, we're almost there. Three, three and three, three years months. and a yeah. couple months. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting. I, I, I wonder if there's any strategy there. I will say with regard to his thoughts about Gio and the whole situation being childish or, or Claudio and the whole situation being childish. I think that he's trying to set the tone publicly that this isn't good enough. This is unacceptable. And, and I don't know if it's a sh- necessarily a shot at Gio, but like, Hey, when you come in, we, we just got to, this has got to just be nixed. Like we can't, yeah. can't move forward. And also taking a shot at this whole situation. And, and to speculate once again, I remember hearing that there was confrontation sounds really dramatic, but we'll just use the word anyway, confrontation between the Pulisic family and the Reina family during the world cup. Mm-hmm. And that there were words <laughs> shared between the parents about that. Now, now there's been a lot of comebacks that, that Christian's dad, I believe his name is Mark, has also been out there publicly stating he's not happy with his kids' playing time as it pertains to Chelsea and so on and so forth. So it's oh, not I like mean, he's he has. Got, he's, tweeted, he's tweeted. Right, right, right. Like he's he's got, it's not like he's got clean hands. It's not yeah. like his parents yeah. are, aren't out there. Or, or so, but it hasn't happened in a while. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if that makes yeah, it okay. Yeah. Maybe they learned their lesson with regard to that. Now, you brought it up last week, but just to bring it up here because uh, we have some nice context with, with uh, a pro GGG, pro Greg Berhalter, Christian Pulisic. This is a Burhalter's U.S. Men's National Team stats. 72% win percentage, which is the highest of any national team coach in the history of the program. Fastest coach to reach 30 wins. Record for most wins in the calendar year. That was 17 back in 2021. Mm-hmm. He had the youngest U.S. team to ever qualify for the World Cup. He played 10 of 11 youngest lineups worldwide during World Cup qualifying. And during his four-year tenure, this is just kind of more of a fun fact, three assistant coaches were named MLS head coaches in uh, El Lobo, Josh Wolf, uh, Nico Estevez, who's at FC Dallas, and Luchi Gonzalez, who was already a coach prior to taking that job. So maybe you take that one with a grain of salt. But still, impressive, impressive statistics. And, and stats are stats are stats are stats. They're there for a reason, and that's why we accumulate them, because it does prove that he's had some success. And he had to, and I think Christian talked about this too, he had to start from scratch in some ways with a whole group of younger players and get them to buy in. And, and there was a good quote from, from Christian who, where he said, there were moments when Burhalter benched me and I wanted to kill the guy. I hated him. I was so angry. But then the next day, next game comes along and I find myself in a better place. The way that Greg handled a lot of situations, I have to give him a lot of credit. And I think that probably is interesting because there really hasn't been any other players that have come out and been this pro Greg, I think, up until this point. Well, I think I think it's a huge challenge, right? I think we had this failed gener- failed gap 2018, right? And you had an opportunity to go with veteran guys and bring them in. And I think we clean house necessarily. And now when we look at where we're going to 2026, we've got a World Cup of experience for young players. Still a young team. And he talks about like the core of that group is still there, right? The core of the team, there's not a lot of changes. Now there's competition for spots. There's competitions for the 23 or the 26 that are going to go, or maybe it'll be 35 players by the time FIFA's <laughs> done with it, uh, going and building up, you know, NFL rosters uh, for World Cups now. Even then, I probably still wouldn't have made it, Jimmy, but that's not the point. Um, <laughs> the, the, the uh, I just, for me, he accomplished a lot with the group and and sometimes we get caught in this idea play this player that player but if you're any player when you're not called in or you're not starting or you're not the the role that you want to be in the national team it is very hard right and it is about ego management and then when you take away all the maturity of the decisions you and I made Jimmy as we got later in our career and we take ourselves in the context of the 20 year old version of us the 21 year old the 22 year old version of us 
the, the fact that there are varying degrees of a Gio Reyna in every player, right? That there is this disappointment that you want to lash out. You want to make a point. You want to make a statement. You, you channel that into doing better. To put that into a team that can accomplish, get out of the group stages, you know, get the points that they got, have shutouts in the, in the group stages in the way that they did accomplish those things. Yeah, we didn't get to the, the quarterfinals. We didn't get to that ultimate goal. We didn't play necessarily the most beautiful of play all the time, but there are still some things that you have to go, if not him, then who, right? Who is going to now, who's brought him this far along, take them to that next level. Can he do it? That's for people to, to, to well, decide. Well, I say no. Right. I, I think yeah. that we've hit a ceiling in, in a lot of different ways with Greg, and, and I know it'd be hard to be in his shoes and think, I've done so much. Look at these stats. Look what I've done. Look at my captain, Christian Pulisic coming out or one of my captains coming out and saying this about me. Like I, I, I can do it again, but we've seen, especially with this country, that second cycle doesn't tend yeah. to go well, even if it's with the same core of players. And I feel Don't you like feel that this is a different, different thing though. Like this, because of the youth of the player yes. and the experience well, that there is a little bit more. Too. Mo- like, I, I mean, the hosting thing is like, it is what it is, deal, but I, I know it, it is, but it's still to me, like, to take a team that was like basically young and inexperienced, get them an experience. I'm not saying rehire Greg Berhalter. If you if you move on from him, move on from him. But the question is, is that move on a transition to the next? Is it a transition or is it a fresh start for a new, new coach? And I think those are two very different things because the comfort he's built and the development he's built, sure, I was very unimpressed with a large number of, of qualifiers, of the way in which they played, but also the the World Cup qualifiers that I played in, most people were unimpressed too because you go <laughs> to qualify. Were, you don't go a grind. You don't, you don't go to to like yeah. You go back to the Jamaica game at home in Austin and they you know played off they played Jamaica off the off the pitch in that one. But by and large, unattractive way to qualify. But the goal is the goal, and it doesn't really matter how you get there. I would love to weave that all in together, and we'll see now in this three years of play big friendlies and let's test things and let's try things because the risk is different. Like we'll see that through a lot of the friendlies you get over the next few years. And that's where you can try things. But in qualifying, it's hard to check as many boxes as you want, right? Because the ultimate goal is don't make mistakes, score more than the other team, get the points you need, qualify sure, for sure. the World Cup, Games, and then we'll a figure it game. out. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And, and I know that some people are in the comments right now on the YouTube saying that Pulisic shouldn't have done the interview. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting timing mm-hmm. for him, or at least to have this interview come out at this time. I don't know when it was shot and when it was released. Clearly, it was post you think he's taking uh, shots? Like, do you think he's getting stuff off his chest? Or do you think it's a little more like I'm a leader and I'm comfortable speaking about these types of difficult things? Because <laughs> I wouldn't want to talk about this right now if I was a player. Um, you know, I fortunately get to sit in this chair and 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 point fingers. But I, if I was a player and I think about just all the complexities of all that and to, and to speak up, it's a pretty brave thing. But you have to wonder, like, do you think there's a, a meaning behind it or a reason behind it? I, he seems pretty guarded about doing interviews. So yeah. it felt like... At least there was some energy from him. I'm going to sit down and do what? An hour-long interview? I got to interview him once, and Chelsea's like, we'll give you five minutes. <laughs> okay, sweet. I'm going to really get yeah. into some fun stuff about, about his life and all this good stuff. That's when you him. go, how are you? And he goes, good, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, exactly. One-word answer. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Christian, one-word answer, Pulisic. You know, thank yeah. you so much for your time. And, and you know, you walk into those sometimes, and you're going to get what you're going to get, and you try to hit, hit that one fun thing you get them to laugh and and all that's and that's it that's that's pretty much what your aim is but in this one this proper sit down i think there was some energy to get some things off of his chest and and also do you think the timing of it jimmy because like he could have easily said this when greg berhalter was up for a new deal and been like i love the guy but now it's months on and maybe it's already too late anyway 
Do you think that's a, a more convenient I, stance? Because it wasn't a lot of people out there like, you know, uh, creating parades for Greg Berhalter. I didn't hear a lot of, you know, it was mostly criticism right, right. Of, of, of him, even though his stats were, were solid. It was mostly criticism of, of like, of who he was and like, is he worth a new deal? He could have said this two months ago before all this drama unfolded. Yeah, he could have. I, I, I think that there's an element of, I'll, I'll take three, three big takeaways for me. One, I think he did want to comment on the Reina situation. I do think there was probably some beef between his parents and their parents and mm -hmm. him coming out and just saying how childish that is. And like the ultimate youth soccer parents is, is, is pretty funny by the way. And, mm -hmm. and I'm hopeful that that kind of, if they can see it in a sense of humor and laugh it off, especially as a group as players, I think that'll be great. And we can just move on from it, at least from their perspective, they could just get on, get on with it. Another thing is, I think this is his way of saying Greg was fine. He was cool. I got no problem with him. And he grew as a coach and I grew as a player. And I think he was being complimentary and being thankful for that. So, okay, I respect that as a leader as well. And then I do think there was my third thing. I think he was taken at U.S. soccer to get their shit together. Mm -hmm. Right. I do think like, hey, we do have this core. We don't need to start over. Let's let's get this going. And I feel like there might be a lack of communication from. And how, I, of course, there's going to be a lack of communication with no general manager, and no sporting director and with an interim coach about what, the, what what's the plan. And I think when you're a leader and you're and you're one of the guys that that we count on to do things and take on that responsibility. And as he continues to grow and evolve as a player himself, I think this is his message of saying, let's get this going already. And I think he pretty much said that. Yeah, let's 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 get something decided. Now, if I was U.S. soccer and, and, and if I'm Cindy Cohen or J.T. Batson, I know they just had the. U.S. Soccer annual general meeting, and we can get into a little bit of that after our next break. But, but just giving him like a text or something like, "Hey, man, we're probably not going to get anything decided until the summer because of X, Y, and Z." Whatever. Just give this guy some information and get on with it from there. I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of what I what I see from that whole interview. But it's it is interesting the timing of it, as you mentioned, Heath, and the things that he was willing to say and stuff that he really hasn't said before. So I don't know if the timing was right. I guess we're going to wait and see how everybody plays in this camp and how everybody feels about it after it's all said and done. But uh, Christian Pulisic putting, his, putting himself out there in a way that he hasn't before. All right, we're going to take our second break and our final break of the show. And then we're going to get into more of your questions and your thoughts. And, of course, this big annual meeting for U.S. soccer. Do not go anywhere. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Yes, welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. We are without Billy Big Timer, Charlie Chuckwagon Davies. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce. And we want to tell you to not miss a second of action from the greatest club competitions on earth, the Champions League 
and the Europa League. So follow the biggest stars from the world of soccer like Karim Benzema, Victor Osimhen, Erling Haaland, Bakai Saka, Casemiro, if he doesn't get red cards. They try to clinch continental glory. You can stream every match from the Champions League, the Europa League, and the knockout rounds live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month free with the promo code ADVANCE. And uh, you should do that. These games are getting real good, real tasty, real spicy, just the way we like our Champions League and Europa League games. Mm. Of course, Bukai Saka is no longer in it. He got knocked out by Sporting Club de Portugal. So I probably shouldn't have had him in the list. But still a good player, and he was awesome against Crystal Palace. Okay? This, this yeah. uh, last weekend. Yeah, so, and cool. we just want to focus on the league anyway. We're focused on yeah, the league. Yeah, whatever. Just, yeah. yeah, it's fine. Get out, of the, get out of the extra stuff and just focus on the league so you can win it for yeah. the first time since the Invincibles. Okay, Heath Pierce. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. Soccer AGM was this past weekend. We we talked about it. We we speculated about certain things that were being added, certain things that people were going to have to vote on. And one of them was paying the president, which has been a volunteer pro- uh, position within U.S. Soccer forever. It's never mm-hmm. been a paid position. <clears throat> and they needed 67% of the vote. I watched this live. I watched both mm-hmm. sides talk about it. I saw that this has become a more complicated position that it ever has been before. There's more asks. There's more things to manage. There's more people mm-hmm. to manage. And then the people that, that are part of this got to speak and they were saying, Hey, I've been volunteering basically my whole life. I do it as an aside to what I'm being paid to do. And if I don't get paid, then I don't think the president should get paid either. Mm. And so you heard both sides of this and it got 62% of the votes which means it will not be a paid position. Now, also, I should say that the volunteers were, were mentioning, hey, I volunteer, but I don't have the, uh, the opportunity to get onto the CONCACAF board. I don't, get, I don't have the opportunity to get on the FIFA board and make more money, which was a Sunil Galati-specific thing. I don't think Cindy Cohen is on either one of those. And so those are... Sunil also had his get, travel company that he, that he was doing. That did like <laughs> we need to get Sunil on because he's, he, he's got a lot of skeletons in his closet. Uh, we yeah, should get him on yeah. and see if he'll ever discuss them. Probably not. But... Little disappointed because I think that position should be paid because it just allows them to focus on what this country needs, which is a little bit more love and attention for some of the programs that maybe don't get the love and attention that they deserve. I totally respect the volunteer argument of people that have been volunteering Agreed. forever. I, I, I think that is a labor of love and and not ideal for anybody who's found themselves in a volunteer positions where you're like, well, if I stop, then this whole thing kind of falls apart and, and, and I can't stop. And, and I'm going to continue to do this because I love it. But at the same time, when I think about us soccer, who has been, who went from having a, 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 a massive uh, amount of money to work with, to being really dwindled down to almost nothing from pandemic to the, to the DA, to lawsuits, to, uh, all of these things, when I think about a presidential role, I, I just fear that one, you won't recruit somebody that I think is able to put the, uh, has the nuance and understanding Two, the time and energy. Yes. That means somebody has to get their wages somewhere else, which means this could be secondary or they're so, uh, um, stable that they can put the time and energy into this. I just wonder, like, are you ruling out, uh, somebody which U.S. soccer is a very complex place, right? I think when you think about the organization, um, politically, it is a very complex place that needs uh, I, what I think is is somebody to come in, and maybe that's fearful for the volunteers or some of the grassroots thing of like the the power that person could have if they were a paid position. If this, then that type of thing. Um, but so, but so, but well, I'm going to interrupt. Do you feel like it 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 only allows a rich person to take the job? 
No, not necessarily. I think, I mean, I think it, it, you can't judge I, you, who takes that job. You could, but I mean, who totally else has qualify. the time to do it? If you, if you're that, not making that's the thing is like significant it's, income it's, somewhere else. Yeah, it, it, it is. Has, it it is has about, to be in some ways you're forcing it to only be a rich person to take that job. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I, I don't I think agree it's, with you. I don't, that, think, it's yes, a rich, I don't think it's a rich person rich, because somebody, somebody could be making a living wage and take that job, right? But it Whew. still comes down to like in that's, order to a, big ass, in order dude. to achieve what what's needed within this role in a cycle of a U.S. Mexico Canada hosted World Cup in a cycle of rebuilding the image of U.S. soccer post uh, lawsuits. Post uh, CBAs, post all of these things, post World Cup controversies, right? Uh, of, of course, that's not necessarily this person's job to, to to focus on, but there is a lot going on all the time within U.S. soccer, from the youth level to the men to the women. That is just a lot to deal with, and I think that you're you're ruling out an opportunity for somebody to fully focus on on that type of role and 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 give it the love and attention that it deserves. But I totally understand the other side side of the argument. I just fear that like, what I do we? No, I, 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 well, Charlie's perfect for it because he's super wealthy and ready to go. But I, I, uh, never mind flies. I've got a plane. <laughs> I just, I just wonder how many candidates, some incredible candidates that you're ruling out because you're not willing to pay this position. So, some mm -hmm. people that have been in the trenches, some people that have volunteered their whole life and, and now would need that, that income. We're talking 150K. They can't, get to 150K to just make sweeten the pot a little bit just so we can get more opportunities for more candidates because you rule right. out somebody. I mean, who would you take the job for? for I mean, we, do you have the time to do it? Yes. Yeah. It would be cool in name and you probably get to go to some cool places and be great for your resume. Games. It's a great, great for, for your resume. resume. Yeah. I mean, wasn't there a guy before Cindy Cohn, Will, he like got in and got out. He was after Carlos yeah. Cordero and he lasted like what? I think he's like, peace out. Will Wilson. Will Wilson. He was a CEO. Yeah, right? well, he, he, did he even last a year? Do we even talk about Will Wilson? What happened? I don't think we ever did. No. Will Wilson no. soccer. I'm looking it up right now, which which I should have been more prepared for this. But he was in and out. Yeah. I, I, I mean. Or he was CEO. He was CEO, but he was in and out. He didn't yeah, last he very CEO. long. Yeah. He wasn't president, so he did get paid, and he was even in and out. Anyway, yeah, I think there's saying, a lot. I just of, wish it was a paid position. That's all. Yeah, I think I think the 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 point being is what you know you in order to keep it volunteer or unpaid, I, I think you run some risks, right? Do I think there's candidates out there that probably check all the boxes to be able to do this? Sure. Do I think you're limiting that pool of talent that could have uh, the 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 expertise and ideas to, to get it right. I certainly think so if it's an unpaid position, but uh, it's also like Cindy Cohn's been in, in, in the limelight uh, in an unpaid position for a long time now, right? Like it's a lot to carry for anybody. It's mm -hmm. a lot of burden. Hopefully we're past most of the controversies, but unfortunately I think, you know, as we head towards the next few years, I think there's, it's, it's just a lot. It's a lot to do. Um, at that level. And I just, I do, I do think that anybody who is asked to make significant decisions that impact everything from the grassroots up to the professional level, um, uh, should, should, should be paid to do so, so that the interests are always in the best, uh, it's always in the best interest of, of what they're trying to accomplish versus what might be secondary if life happens.
Right. Right. Anyway, if you guys want to drop your thoughts to us, obviously we're seeing some in the comments, but you can hit us up on the Twitters at ISWT pod. Drop us a follow over on the Twitters if you haven't already. And as uh, a friend of ours, Chris Mackey said in the comments, there's, uh, I don't know, a whole bunch of you guys watching, but only 21% of you have actually hit the like button. Let's change that. Let's get yeah. it up to 67% so that we're liked by everybody. Okay. So we get that. That's what we're looking for. That confirmation that we're well liked. So hit that like button. Thank you, Mackie, for bringing that up. All right. Let's talk a little uh, MLS. Let's talk a little mm-hmm. domestic soccer, as it were. Keith Pierce, Atlanta United, steamrolling right now. Tiago Almada, as I mentioned before, four goals and four assists in four games. I don't think he's going to last long. Maybe even sold in the summer. This kid is on fire. Obviously, won a World Cup with Argentina, the only active player in MLS history to have done that. Or I'd say he might smash the transfer record for Major League Soccer. He could, just like I they're smashing that like button. They'd smash that like button. I love that. So <laughs> Atlanta United, after kind of getting rid of arguably the best player in history, Joseph Martinez, mm-hmm. in their history, have really started the season on fire. Three wins and one draw. Crushing it, but they're not the best team in the league, Heath. Nope. That's some team that didn't even exist last season. St. Louis City absolutely decimating anybody Mm -hmm. in their way. Beat the San Jose Earthquakes 3-0 this past weekend, and they look good doing it. Mm -hmm. They don't look like they're... They got a couple fortuitous back passes that they turned into goals in the first game. They've had that in a couple of games. Yeah, Yeah, They have. They have. I don't know what's going on when people play against St. Louis. But when you see them play, they look like a complete team. They look like they have ideas. And uh, shout out to Lutz and, and everybody else at the club for what they've built, what they developed. And they are setting records, St. Louis. Yeah. So I don't know if anybody stood out for you, but I wanted to give St. Louis a shout out because uh, four out of four wins, the only team to do that so far in MLS. Yeah, I, I think, interestingly, when I talked to the head coach, Bradley Carnell, because I did I did a, a Portland-St. Louis game and I, and I chatted with him and he, and he talked about sort of you know, people are going to see this and, you know, a lot of people wrote us off and said, you know, the experts were saying we'd, we'd, we'd be a typical expansion side, but he talked about the first steps that they did was establishing an academy, right? Before they had a team, obviously they, mm-hmm. they, they, they existed pre, pre the season, establishing an academy, establishing their MLS next pro team, uh, getting their first homegrown signings in like this Miguel Perez kid, um, who's really good player, by the way, uh, but was an unknown. Like he wasn't like on the top of everybody's list of like young players to watch that are going to be national team players someday. He's broken through and then, and then establishing the MLS level. And then the style in which they play play is very Lutz like who is a, who is a um, Ernst Tanner disciple Hoffenheim, you know, kind of their energy drink soccer type of uh, mentality, but they play very Bundesliga style. They're, they're just very, very good. And to set this kind of record, they're just complete. Like they don't have a ton of weaknesses. There's nothing that you go, you know, super, super sexy about them, but they are a very complete team. They play with the chip on their shoulder. They've got the right mentality. Um, and it just, they just look really far along in terms of their development that you, you don't usually see in any team to start a season, let alone an expansion team. Yeah. It's been really impressive. I, I as I mentioned, just, they look like they've been around for a couple of years mm-hmm. and they look like they've already bought in. I, w- I wonder, and this is going to be, this is the big question for any team, right? Especially early on in the season. If they're getting once Bobby get, Firmino. Oh, once you I get, pu- well, if they sign Bobby mm-hmm. Firmino, that'd be next level. I don't know if they need him at the moment, but once you get punched in the face, what does that look like? How does your team just respond to, you know, a, maybe a month where you don't win a game or you only, you're grinding out draws. That's going to be the big challenge, I think, for St. Mm-hmm. Louis City. 
as teams start to figure them out a little bit more and, and all that good stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. But here's yeah. I, there's so many teams, but those are the teams that we wanted to highlight, the ones that are kind of crushing it right now, Atlanta and St. Louis City in each conference. There is a report, Heath. I don't know if you saw this or not, but your favorite club mm-hmm. outside of MLS, Arsenal, are reportedly going to be the opponent for the MLS All-Star game on July 19th in D.C., yeah. So that's being announced. Now the League's Cup starts two days later on July 21st. So this game is going to be at Audi Field where DC United play. Wayne Rooney is going to be the coach because whoever's hosting the game gets to be the coach. So Wayne Rooney gets another crack at the Arsenal. But this is a change back to what we were doing before because the last two years was MLS All-Stars versus Liga MA Keys All-Stars. So which version do you like better? And obviously Arsenal in full swing right now. So for all you Gunners fans, you're going to be uh, pretty excited to potentially get to see your club here in the States. And uh, Arsenal did play. I was at that game when they played against All-Stars in 2016 in San Jose. That was a lot of fun. And um, Didier Drogba scored for MLS that game, but Arsenal won two to one. I remember that game too. Yeah, I remember there was a girl wearing an old uh, San Jose Clash jersey and it was in pristine condition. And I cannot remember, I don't know who it was, but it was one of the most beautiful class jerseys i'd ever seen the condition it is she had to be like the daughter of somebody from the clash Mm -hmm. era because it was like you know fresh out of the box which those are hard to find but no i think when you have when you when you take leagues cup into consideration you you go maybe it's a little bit too much to go with an mls uh liga mechies like it's a little too integrated at that point right right right. i think you actually have the leagues cup as a spinoff of what that could be right you're gonna have the team of like like you're gonna have the team of the tournament and things like that. And maybe you actually form all stars out of that tournament at some point in time. I don't know. That's a little bit wishful thinking, but I think if you did another, uh, uh, league MX MLS all-star game, and then you have leagues cup after that. Yeah. Oversaturation for that. It's a little oversaturation where maybe you're losing some of that ability to go, well, I saw all these players play here. So why would I go there? And, and that sort of thing. So I think it makes sense of going back to, uh, an opponent like this. I just know that it's also, a very nice year to go after an Arsenal uh, versus like a top six Arsenal. It's a good, it's a good all-star game if they come out as champions. That's a huge win. So they're kind of hedging a bit because uh, so, so. years past that would have just been like a pretty solid game against Arsenal, where we saw, um, you know, the young, um, uh, what, what's his name that was at Arsenal? The young American played in that game in that all-star game when he was still at Arsenal. Um, what a Zelalam, Gideon, yeah, Zelalam, yeah. So, so producer Dez is trying to stir the pot here, and this will be our last question. Will Arteta trust Matt Turner to start that game? Come on, Dad. Oh, Way come too on, soon. Way too yeah. soon. Okay? Yeah. Yes, he could have come Ram- off his line a little better against Sporting and could have had a better – I get it. Yeah. But he's also made some big saves and, for – And Ramsdale for... got chipped. Huh? Yeah, got Ramsdale chipped. got chipped. He got, got time. You know, for, I don't have time for this Matt Turner slander from producer Dez right fish now and here in our comments. Yes. He got chipped from midfields. Yeah. By Pote, yeah. which what a sick goal, by the way. Yeah, Des, that Des was is like, oh, that was unstoppable. No, you're not just asking the question, Des. We, we're, we're picking up what you're putting down. There's some underlying yeah. you don't like. Matt Plus, Turner's Ramsdale's going to be on vacation up till that point anyway. So like, <laughs> Turner's going to be dialed in. That's true. That's true. That's true. All right, everybody. That is it for In Soccer We Trust this time around. We got two more podcasts coming for you this week. The next one will yes. be Wednesday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. It'll be a preview of the Granada game with me, Heath, and Chuck. And then we'll go live right after. They're going out a game on Friday night. You get our instant reactions of what we just saw. And hopefully it's a 7-0 beatdown. But you never know. Got to play the game to find out. So we'll see you on Wednesday. So on behalf of Producer Dez, Producer Alex, Chuck, Keith, and me, Cream Cheese, we will see you then and have a good couple days. Later.
The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.